Welcome to Campaigns and Confetti with your hosts, Scarlett Rozier and Karen McKenzie, co-founders of Rhyme and Reason Design. We'll talk shop with some seriously awesome community champions and cover the bases on what makes a city rock. So grab a cupcake and get comfy. Welcome to the Campaigns and Confetti podcast, where we celebrate communities that rock. You're here today with moi, uh, Karen McKenzie, and Scarlett Rozier, the owners of Rhyme and Reason Design. We've spent the last decade working with communities and wanted to create a space with this podcast where we could talk to some of the magnificent humans that we've met along the way to share great ideas um, and inspire folks in the industry. So today we have Rebecca McWilliam. Uh, She is the executive director of Visit Dublin, Georgia, not to be confused with our Irish friends across the pond, Um, but she's been doing some really big things and great things in her community. So we're excited to hear about them today. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. We're so happy to have you. Um, I think to kick things off, if you could just, you know, share a little bit about yourself and some of your journey that, you know, took you from Las Vegas, right? All the way to Georgia? Right. I moved to Dublin in 2005. Um, I've lived in Colorado. I've lived in Las Vegas. I've lived in California. Um, And I've been here since 2005. And I never want to leave. Um, been, <laughs> nice. I like it. Yeah, it's been quite a journey, um, but this this I finally found home, and it's wonderful that I get to kind of put my skills to work to attract other people to this kind of little paradise that I found. Speaking of of home and paradise, how did you? Like, that's a those are big cities and communities that you came from. How did your tactics and sh- change um, to start talking about, you know, a smaller community and really changing, bringing the tactics that you've learned from bigger communities into Dublin? Well, it was pretty cool because growing in Las, uh, growing up in Las Vegas, um, you kind of see that culture of hospitality all around you. Um, you know that, you know, even as a child, you kind of pick up on the fact that these are the people that are paying the bills. Um, and, you know, kindness in a city like Las Vegas is extremely important. Um, and from Las Vegas, I went to uh, San Diego, another big tourism city, um, and actually got to work for a um, a charter, an airplane charter company that kind of catered a little bit more to sports uh, figures. Um, So there again, learning that that high amount of customer service um, and and really an impeccable standard of customer service was was essential. Um, So coming to a a smaller, more rural community, um, the really cool thing about both uh, Las Vegas and California is that they all, both of them, have sub have suburbs, uh, which make it possible to kind of feel that smaller kind of tight knit community. Um, I ended up graduating from Boulder City High School, which is kind of a suburb of Las Vegas, um, and that that community had a very uh, small town feel. They they managed development very closely, um, so. I was able to see both sides of the picture and kind of bring it here to Dublin. 
Awesome. Um, and you did it so quickly when you, I know <laughs> we met what three, a month into your, your job, three weeks into your job. Yesterday I was going through kind of the first emails that we exchanged and it was literally three weeks after I started here in Dublin and you know, you guys kind of took it and ran with it. You, you came down, you met, uh, the people in the community here, you sat down with me, you worked with me, you, you really got that vision very quickly. Um, and so we were able, you know, with your help to just right away, start marketing. Well, and you had a kind of an interesting situation because you, you came in and you were rebranding and obviously Dublin, probably for most people, when they hear that name, think, Ireland. Um, and so you had sort of a challenge to think specifically about, you know, this, this town that is in Georgia that may or may not have sort of tight Irish roots. Um, can you just sort of speak to that a little bit and how you decided and the city decided to kind of go your own direction? Yeah. You know, I think even everyone in the state expected us to kind of follow this, this Irish Dublin feel and we wanted to do kind of what we knew our community was. It isn't Dublin, Ireland. Yes, it does have Irish roots, but it, it, it looks nothing like Dublin, Ireland, feels nothing like Dublin, Ireland. And so we, we wanted to tell Dublin's story, Dublin, Georgia's story. And if we had gone, you know, the way of shamrocks and and an overabundance of, of green, um, it wouldn't have been authentic to the story that we needed to tell to attract tourists to Dublin. So we had to get, um, really have some frank conversations about who, who Dublin was as a city, um, and what our goals were. Uh, so, you know, we, we really dug into that as a community and kind of, um, you guys helped us with that, you know, showing through, through actual pictures of Dublin, being able to tell that story, speak to her history, her vibrancy, her progressiveness, um, and, you know, drive traffic here. Good choice of words, right? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, especially being that Dublin is on the interstate. And yeah, well, speaking, I think for our listeners, oh, go ahead, Scarlett. I was going to say, speaking of the interstate connections, Karen probably was going to say that our our listeners probably don't realize that it's between Atlanta and Savannah and was known as the, a great destination to stop. Um, mm-hmm. But you've done a really great job to get people from just stopping and using the restroom per se and, and going further. You've added a dog park and you really created a sense of community. Can you talk about how, how you worked through changing those perceptions and getting people to drive those five miles into downtown and really get to know Dublin, Georgia, not the pit stop? Well, I I think, you know, when you guys came up with that, the campaign and, and focusing very strongly on using pictures to show, to, to prove the story, 
um, it, it was relatively easy for us once we, you know, expanded the visitor center, the services at the visitor center, um, made sure that the visitor center was open seven days a week. It was really easy for us to just kind of take those pictures and the branding work that you guys did and show people. Um, you know, our visitor center is open seven days a week. So we have someone on site, on site that can talk to the traffic that comes through there and they can hand them a brochure that shows exactly what's downtown. So it's not, it's not very hard at all, or that, that hard of a leap for them to, you know, see themselves driving five minutes to go get nationally acclaimed dining and, and really truly unique boutiques and, and lots of things to do. Sure. Um, kind of speaking about that, the visitor center, it sounds like one, that's one of the main things that she did to put visit Dublin, Georgia on the map. Um, but what, what are some of the other campaigns and, and activities that you did to really help promote the community once you had a brand that you were ready to talk about? Well, one, one of the biggest is probably, um, and it's one of my favorite, is uh, not long before I took the job here, I found out that Dr. Martin Luther King had given his first speech here at a church. Um, so we have spent pretty much all of the past five years developing a true um, guest experience around that, giving someone a place where they can visit 24 seven and experience Dr. King's journey um, as a 15 year old in Dublin, giving his first speech. Um, the site, it, we call it uh, MLK Monument Park, you know, through um, artistry, uh, there, there's a huge mural by Atlanta artist, Corey Barksdale. There's a sculpture, there's a photo mural that shows the interior of the church and the speech. There's audio boxes that tell four different stories. So a real interactive, hands-on experience that guests can visit uh, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Um, that's one of the things. And working with the St. Patrick's, uh, Patrick's Festival Committee to kind of fine-tune some of the events so that they have that tourism appeal, um, kind of fine-tuning their marketing and their branding so that it, it fits in line with um, now what people expect from Dublin uh, so that when they get there, those expectations are met. Um, the St. Patrick's Festival. I know you said you're not shamrocks and Irish, um, <laughs> but, sweet. <laughs> but what, but what about, but what, what about that festival? How does that come into play and how, how do you kind of build upon that and make it part of the community, but also tell a different story? Well, it, it's pretty cool because for, um, six weeks, is beginning in February, lasting all the way through March, we do get to turn on the Irish. Um, we have the longest St. Patrick's Festival in Georgia. Um, it's over 40 different events sponsored by tons of different organizations across Lawrence County. So we really, those are the six weeks that we really pull out all the stops as far as, you know, come visit Dublin and experience 
our idea of community. Um, you know, we have nationally acclaimed dining. We have a great oyster bar downtown now. We have craft brews that are being served everywhere. Um, so we kind of get to show off a little bit what what Dublin is. And it's um, a very family-friendly festival. So people of all ages can experience St. Patrick's. Which so is probably we, a nice change because a lot of St. Patrick's Day festivities are not particularly family-friendly. Very true. Um, but uh, almost every single one of our events are appropriate for any age. That's great. Are there any parts of that, like six weeks, that are a little bit outside of the box or sort of more unique, uh, um, funky events? <laughs> we There's a ton of them. Everything from a hot air balloon festival all weekend during one of the weekends in March. We have a... Um, a dog parade uh, nice. morning where everybody dresses their their dogs up in Irish garb. Um, <laughs> so, and that one's that one's super cool. Um, and then we have a little leprechaun contest um, that uh, the leadership class here hosts, and so um, parents get to compete dressing dressing their children up like leprechauns. And it, it's, it's really cool. I bet that is adorable. Yeah. It, it pulls out all the creative stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Although I feel like I think about trying to dress up my two-year-old in anything <laughs> St. Patrick's. I think she would fight me tooth and nail. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure that there, there are, there's some, there's some tears and some not happy toddlers, but the parents are happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just have to get them in that outfit, right? Yeah, you just have to get them in the outfit, and in some cases, keep them in the outfit. Uh, but I bet the pictures are amazing. Yes, the <laughs> pictures are are amazing. Um, like I said, it it really shows kind of the creative vibe of Dublin. Um, you know, everything from people dressing up their their furry friends to their children to um, Miss St. Patrick's. Uh, yeah, it, it really shows how creative some of the organizations are in, in creating events. Um, because if you're not part of St. Patrick's, yeah, are you really part of Dublin? Ooh, draw on the line, <laughs> the line in the sand. I was going to say shots fired. <laughs> and that's kind of how it's, it's kind of, you know, it, it is that kind of spirit. You know, it's all about giving back. A lot of these organizations donate any of the proceeds that they make to local, local nonprofits that are, that are helping people in the community. So the money stays local tourism, tourism jumps up. Um, so it, it's a win-win. Um, so it really is a call to help support your community. The St. Patrick's Festival Committee does a great job of kind of showing off Dublin and Lawrence County during February and March. So you have to be a part of it. <laughs> you have to be. <laughs> no ifs, ands, ors, or buts. None. <laughs> um, creativity and community are something you've mentioned multiple times and something we talk about a ton on Rhyme and Reason side, but would you say that's really why you've been successful and 
in taking a brand and completely pivoting the message from where people's expectations were to creating something that a whole other um, entity kind of embraces and, and building out a target market that wasn't even there before. Yes, but even more so, I think it's because our, our leadership is creative. Um, but the, the cool thing about Dublin, and I've worked in many other communities, is that they never, Dublin never shoots down an idea. They may, you know, as crazy as some of the ideas are that, that we've come up with in my office, um, they're always thought about. They're always thought about. They're always talked through. Leadership always asks questions. How do you plan to implement this? And most importantly, what's the goal? What's your target audience? Do you have statistics to back this up? They never shoot an idea down. It might not happen immediately, but it's always there. It's never buried. It isn't shot to the wayside. It may, it may take a couple of years, but don't the best ideas usually? Yeah. And I think that's the thing that truly sets Dublin apart. How have you sort of fostered that working community? Because I'm sure that's something that other, you know, cities and tourism arms sort of struggle with working, not in silos, but working together. Are there things that you do to really build that teamwork aspect? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a culture that was here before I ever landed here. Um, that's, that's part of Dublin's reputation. Um, I was just, you know, the, 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 the leaders of Dublin allow me to help be a leader, part of that leadership team. Um, they allow me to help uh, with that. So a, a culture of, of partnership was already here. I was able to kind of learn from that and use it to help build things like MLK Monument and our downtown walking tour, um, the audio tours, all of the apps that we've done. Um, every single project that we've worked on has taken local partnership. So kind of looking at leaders like Bill Best and Lance Jones and Tara Bradshaw and Joshua Kite and, and seeing how I could kind of learn from what, they had done um, and apply it to my own work. It, it all kind of is circular. So wrangling partnerships and building those partnerships and, and communicating is really key. You know, asking the tough questions and more importantly, listening to the answers is essential. Listening is huge, and I'm sure not just listening to your leaders, but also listening to your constituent groups and your target mm -hmm. markets. Um, how have you how have you done that, and have you changed have you changed your strategy because you've heard something some feedback, or have you done things differently because maybe it didn't hit the way you thought it was going to be? How have you listened? in that communication aspect too? That, that, that is a huge question. <laughs> I, I always have to weigh what my target market 
which is, you know, 50 to 60 miles outside of Dublin and the entire world around Dublin and completely outside Dublin, who is my target market? And it's who, who is going to spend money here in Dublin for a hotel room um, versus what local thoughts are. Sometimes, occasionally local wins out. A lot of times I have to go with what my, dem- my target demographic wants. And, and sometimes that's a tough sell locally. But, you know, like I said, you have to have that research. You have to have the statistics, those demographics, those, hey, this is how much this target group, this niche group is spending on travel. You have to have that backup. Um, because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm paid to, as they say, put heads in beds. Um, but I have to do that authentically. So I always have to weigh the local authenticity and, and the local, um, you know, feelings with what my target demographic is. Sure. Um, with those statistics and research, um, and analytics and things like that, some of that comes at higher cost. How do you work with a smaller budget to make sure that you, you get the information that you need to, to sell your point, um, Um, but also stay within your budget. Google analytics and our website (laughs) that you built is our absolute favorite tool. I can narrow down those analytics um, so wonderfully. And then I can bring them up top, look at the high view, look at the middle points, look at, you know, niche categories. Um, Google Analytics is my absolute favorite. I do not have the budget to pay consultants or to pay for someone to do market research for us. So, uh, Probably 85% of it is Google Analytics and checking them and making sure that, you know, we're hitting the mark, which of our blogs is the best performing and why. Um, Facebook um, Insights also works extremely well for us. Um, And and the play that we get between um, Facebook and our other social media and our website really helps us focus on those those people that are interested in what we're putting out there. Awesome. Um, for these digital campaigns and, and maybe even traditional, have you done any really outside the box marketing on on the cheap that you found to be really successful? Oh yes. Our our favorite thing and our Google Analytics kinds of shows it is um you know, about, gosh, six years ago, when I started, we, we instantly started doing a top reasons blog. It was something that I'd done in a, a prior community that I worked with, kind of very loosely based off of Johnny Car- Carson's top 10 list. Um, I remember watching him as a, a kid and thought, how brilliant was that? And, you know, in this other community started doing a top five um, because it was a much smaller community, um, brought that here. And it really opened the doors to kind of show us how many events there were. And people ate it up. They ate it up. And then 
So last year we did Atlanta Magazine now has a top a top reasons um, post that they host on their website and communities can buy into it. And you guys did all the the digital ads for that and all the pictorial. Um, and we had a local YouTuber do some videos. Um, and it was it, the response was amazing. Um, the total campaign cost us round about five thousand dollars, inclusive, and people are people still still mention it today. So we're doing another one this year um, with a little bit of a different spin. Uh, but those those blogs, we we do at least one a week, sometimes two. Um, but they're they're inexpensive. Um, and they, they really hit our target markets. That's awesome. You mentioned a local YouTuber. Um, have you guys used influencers at all? No, any success there? No. Okay. Yeah. I was curious how the like greater Atlanta market can kind of use that aspect. If, if we could afford it, we probably would love to use it. Um, this, this was a probably as close to a local influencer as you could get. Um, but it, it, it worked really well across yeah, the board. Like kind of capturing everything that Dublin has. I am sure, Rebecca, that you spend a lot of time not only looking at your analytics, but also looking at uh, the rest of the industry and seeing what people are doing. Do you have any favorite campaigns, um, either in tourism or outside, that you wish you you wish you would have come up with first? Oh, that always. <laughs> course always las vegas <laughs> um, they they always top the list even though we're two completely different markets um who wouldn't have loved to say i came up with vegas's what happens in vegas campaign so um, true. it's just brilliant um let me think of, of a couple of other ones that i really like um i, I always like the old school, the first eBay commercials. Um, I, I think they really, you know, when, when eBay first started, they had this, this sense of community, this online community. And I think Amazon has kind of taken that a little bit um, and, and kind of made it their own now. But e eBay's initial campaigns for how people could get what they wanted quickly. And then, you know, there was this, kind of chat room set up where you could meet, meet people you were buying from. Um, I think those are probably two of my all time favorite campaigns that kind of show um, at, at the heart of everything is, is telling your, your story authentically. Um, and, and if uh, <laughs> on the same line, if you pull away from that, that authentic um, heart of your business it can also show what happens, you know, we've kind of seen eBay kind of slide away from, from what they were when they started in, in an effort to grow and, and it just hasn't worked as well for them. 
but kind of saying authenticity is probably the most important when it comes to campaigns, and, and both of those campaigns kind of show that. With that in mind, um, obviously you have a really great, strong brand that you've built awareness around. You've you know increased people's per changed perceptions. You've increased heads and beds. Um, how do you also keep it fresh and modern, but still true to your authentic roots? Um, I think keeping it fresh and modern is always about. Um, you know, making sure that you're coming up with, with content, um, that, that supports that brand, but then you're also looking at ways, um, other components of your brand can, it can strengthen the message. Um, we're, we're slow, you know, we had you guys design our, our CVB logo, I think it was last year. Um, so, you know, that was kind of an extension of, you know, we, we recognized a need to differentiate between the city logo mark and, and having a logo mark for the CVB. So people weren't thinking we were Dublin and we were the city. No, we're just advertising um, a, a, a community. Um, so looking at looking at those things, little as they might be, and, and clar continually clarifying the message further strengthens your brand. Um, we're constantly taking new pictures, constantly looking at new avenues that we can use, um, constantly looking at what other cities are doing um, to see if, if there's something that is appropriate to use here to tell the Dublin story. So I was uh, on a panel last week and I gave everyone options of subjects that they can choose from for questions and everyone was most excited about failures which sounds terrible but I think everyone want, likes to learn from failure so mm -hmm. you've done a lot of great things and you've made success from from something that probably people didn't see coming but have you failed any place and how have you changed and grown from that oh Failures. I, I, um, I may not like to fail when I fail, but I love being able to look back and say, okay, maybe that wasn't the best idea in the world. Um, but I'm trying to think, have we, we, have we failed? Um, I think one of the areas where it's not necessarily a failure but we're, me in particular as a CVB, I'm very action oriented. I like things to happen quickly, you know, so we, so we do a plan, let's jump to it and, and, and get it done. Um, and, and that sometimes isn't the best thing to do. Um, you know, we, we have probably three or four major concept plans in the works right now that have been in the works since I've been here. Um, and I guess a, a failure of mine would be to realize that the best things aren't built overnight, that they take planning, um, and that instant action isn't always the best route. Um, so fa failing to slow down and take 
full inventory of the appropriate steps um, is, especially when it comes to long-term planning, is something that uh, is important. And I don't, don't even necessarily know if I believe in failure as most people define it. I think if you've learned from something, I don't think it's a failure because you were meant to learn from it. And if you yes. learned, you really truly didn't fail. Part of the process. Exactly. Stop and smell the four-leaf clover. exactly exactly take a break once in a while (laughs) you know we did so much the first two years that I was that that you know in in branding and marketing Dublin that I remember Scarlett you used to you used to be like can we can can you even believe we're moving this quick (laughs) you even looked back and and realized how much we've done uh, it's pretty amazing. And I think, you know, it's failing to sit back and realize that um, that is a huge accomplishment. What we accomplished in that first year kind of didn't give it its full glory mm-hmm. because looking back, I probably would have launched the brand, which I didn't have time for, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I probably should have. You know, but I, I, I didn't. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the failures that you take and you learn from. And when it's time, you know, eventually to rebrand, um, you know, I probably would have a launch. But you have been hugely successful. Oh, yeah. We've, we've, we've doubled the beds and beds in four years. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a great stat. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, literally hotel motel tax has doubled since 2014 and it only took um, four to five years for that to happen. Wow. And that's thanks in no small part to your work. <laughs> we, we weren't even calling you today to talk about us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't all be about <laughs> Well, we do have, we have a couple last questions, but this next one is one of our favorites. We like to ask all of our guests if Dublin were a cupcake, what flavor would it be? Oh, it'd be mint chip. One, because <laughs> my favorite. And two, it's green. Yep. And three, it is so rich. Um, that. I mean, there's there's something for everyone in in Dublin, and chocolate kind of embodies that kind of rich. Um, I mean, who doesn't like chocolate? I don't know. People that don't like chocolate are crazy in my book. They're not. I don't trust them. Shouldn't. <laughs> I mean, coffee. Chocolate is almost like coffee, and coffee is a vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> They're the two best things. <laughs> Think about it. If you don't like one, the other one's going to make you happy. And together, they just make perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Don't trust people that don't like coffee or don't like chocolate. I completely agree. Oh, 
Awesome. Well, to wrap us up, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about how they could find you online? Yes. Um, we're everywhere. Uh, our, our social handle is um, visit Dublin GA. And then our website is uh, visit Dublin GA.org. Um, and, you know, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, uh, Twitter, um, Pinterest. All the things. All the things. If Love it. If you look for us with a, just a slight bit of searching, you will find us usually on the front page, thanks to Rhyme and Reason. <laughs> nice. Sounds like the key is to add the GA. There you go. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing a little bit of your wit and wisdom about the community space and your wins and learning from failure. I loved it. Thank you. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Okay. Bye. Thanks so much for joining the Campaigns and Confetti podcast, a production of Rhyme and Reason Design.